Fuck. Yo, you sober now? Oh my god! That's right, we don't do no more drugs and no more alcohol. <laughs> he was a badass kid. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like she wanted to get me exorcisted one time because she thought I was possessed by the devil. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I started getting high, right? Like all the the, the chatter and the noise in my head because growing up I had this impending doom feeling. Like I saw you share out a meeting. Um, I think you had just gotten out of <laughs> jail. Yeah. Is that right? Was Why was your ass in jail? Be sober now, baby. We <laughs> we sober now, baby. We don't do no more drugs and no more alcohol. I know that's right. We is live and in color all the way from my motherfucking pad in Tempe, Arizona. And we have a very, very special guest today. We are sitting right next to my boy, Ivan. What's up, Ivan? What's up, my guy? What's thank you, up? Thank you so much for... Shooting the shit, and honestly, just sitting down and doing this with me, I appreciate you taking the time. Well, y'all over there taking the time to sit down. So, first, for starters, how's your day today? Uh, day, pretty good, pretty good. Got a haircut, met with Sponsy, did a meeting, uh, and now I'm here. How was your meetup with your Sponsy? Uh, good, dude, good. I got him on, uh, he's on step three right now. Uh, so that's always fun. I never thought that uh, I would be taking somebody through steps, you know. Um, but it's like it's like a cool experience, right? Like taking this dude through something that my sponsor took me through, and just continuing to pass it on, right? Yeah, that's super cool, man. Because I hear a lot of people talk about how sponsorship is so important. You know, giving back through being a sponsor. You know, it's uh, life changing. And I've only uh, have had two sponsees, <laughs> um, but I can say that they were really eye-opening and really unique in their own way. You know what I mean? So that's super cool. How many sponsors do you have? Uh, currently, I got three, two that I'm working steps with. One, I'm waiting for him to get out of treatment so we, be, uh, we can begin him starting his steps. Damn, okay. So you really into this shit, right? I got to, dude. Like, I don't know. For me, uh, I've tried doing it Ivan's way. Mm -hmm. Ivan's way don't fucking work you know Ivan's way leads him to rehab homelessness and jail so like yeah I have to I have to be able to uh, give back what was so freely given to me right because if I don't uh, and then I just like keep this 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 gift right this gift of sobriety selfish to myself then like I'm not doing any real help with it right and like step 12 is like pass on the message right so like that's what I have to continue to do in order for me to uh to me to continue doing what I do, right? Hell yeah, dude. That's that's fucking for sure. So what is your sobriety date? Uh, my sobriety date is April 10th of 2020. So I'm coming up on two years. Damn, is this the longest you've stayed sober? Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. So for me, uh, I am a uh, chronic relapser. You know, I could never make it past uh, 60 days, right? And the only reason that's for that is because 
that's the time I would be in rehab, right? Mm-hmm. Those 60 days, I'd be in rehab, I would I'd model fucking client, do what you want me to do, say what you want me to say, but as soon as I would leave those doors or I can do IOP from home, uh, I'd go and pick up, right? So for me, this is the longest uh, stretch of uh, sobriety that I've ever had. So it's all new to me, right? Because I don't know how to fucking... I didn't know how to live sober before, right? So... This is all new to me as I'm as I'm going along. So there must have been something that you experienced differently this time, right? Or did something different for it to be able to maintain sobriety this long? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so for me, um, every time like I would I would try to get sober, right? I would go to rehab. Uh, I always had the the safety net of mom. Right, that's mm-hmm. always my safety net. Uh, shit goes wrong. I, I call my mom. Hey, uh, I fucked up again. Da 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 da. And she would allow me to come home. But this time, my mom wasn't having none of that shit. She was like, "Hell no, homie, you gotta go." Uh, she was over your shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She like for real though. Like uh, I remember, I was in rehab, and she came to rehab, gave me a pack of Newports. And was like, I'm giving you this pack of cigarettes. I'm cutting ties with you. You got to get off the tit. Don't ever call me again. Right? Damn, that was his last time? Yeah, dude. That was his last time and I went to rehab, right? And um, But, like, I got it, right? Like, I couldn't be upset or angry with her. Like, well, what are you doing to me? Why? Why this? Uh, because, like, I, I, I did it to myself, right? Mm-hmm. In the end of the day. I That was my last resort was, was like, falling back on my mom. But, like, once my mom was like, I, I can't do this shit anymore, then, like, I get out of rehab. Um, I knew, like, you know, I couldn't. I I had to continue doing something, right? Because like, I was I was getting high. I was selling. I got arrested. I tried going back to my mom's house. She told me if I show up there, she's gonna file a restraining order against me. And then called the cops. Cops came, kicked me out. So now I'm living with a bunch of homeless people. I meet at the gas station, and like, I'm just living with these people, and like, I'm getting high with them, and like. I, I have like a come to Jesus moment, if you will, right? I'm like, everybody that I thought like I could rely on, like, we're like, fuck you, dude. Like, don't don't come back here no more, right? So like now I'm like sitting in this in this apartment with like 10 homeless people. And uh, I, I sit down, I'm like, this is what my life has become, right? I just got out of jail. Uh, my mom told me she's in a file restraining order against me. The cops had, came and kicked me out. And like now I'm living with these people and like i had a a fork in the road moment if you will right it's like i can either continue getting high and like doing the same shit that i'm doing living how i'm living or i can get sober right uh because like before like i was trying to do it ivan's way and uh didn't want to listen to anybody and like didn't want to take suggestions from anybody else right because i thought i was smarter i could beat it i'm not like one of you people um whatever the the circumstance or like delusion i would tell myself right but like i couldn't just do it on my own so like i had to give it give it my all right because like there's nothing else i could have lost at that point mm-hmm. so that was that when you were in the apartment with all those homeless people was that recent like the like right after you got a rehab no yeah so that so like right before i went to rehab right uh april like the week of april because i got arrested april 3rd mm-hmm. so April 3rd happened, I got I got pulled over, they searched my car, found all my drugs and shit, 
uh, it was like the height of the coronavirus. So like, that's like when still people didn't know what was going on with it, right? So like, if you had a nonviolent offense, they were letting everybody out. Mm-hmm. So I got out on an ankle monitor and I, I hitched a ride back to fucking Glendale and uh, I tried showing back up at my mom's house. Uh, everything went south. So then uh, I walked to a gas station on 59th and Olive. I was sitting there with uh, my backpack with clothes in it, charging this phone I had at the gas pump. And uh, this homeless girl came up. She's like, do you have a dollar? And I'm like, I'm fucking homeless too. So uh, I was like, but do you know where to get pills at? And then she's like, yeah, follow me. So like now I'm chilling with all these homeless people in this apartment. And then like a couple of days after that, that's when I went to rehab. That's fucking crazy. Like you were on 59th and Olive. That was the hot spot. Well, for me back in the day, all the north side, that's where all the blues, all the greens, all the drugs were at. That's fucking crazy, man. Like thinking you were... Like, I was just, as you were saying that, I was trying to picture you, like, at a bus stop. Like, and it's kind of crazy to think about. Um, so take me back to your childhood, though. Like, talk a little bit about that. How, how was that for you? Uh, okay, so a little bit of background, right? My dad, he, he's one of us, right? My dad is an alcoholic. Uh, he's a very violent alcoholic. So I was born into a domestic violence relationship, right? My, he would beat my mom, abuse my mom, uh, and like, that's all I knew, right? Because uh, obviously when you're a kid, you don't know right from wrong yet, right? That's, that's all you're used to, like, so I thought that was like normal, right? This is my normal life. Um, so as that's happening, I'm getting bounced back and forth between my aunt's house and my mom's house, right? Because my mom was working two jobs, trying to get enough money to get us away from the situation. Uh, and then the, the straw that broke the camel's back was, uh, so my dad kidnapped me and my sister, took us to Mexico for like two years. Um, my mom got us back. Her and my uncle went out there. My, my uncle or my mom was like distracted my dad at the front door. My uncle jumped in the window, got us, hopped in a taxi, went to the airport, came back. Right. So then we come back. My dad comes back to Washington cause that's where I'm from. Uh, and he tried running, running me, my mom, and my sister off the road. My mom saw a cop on the at, the at a gas station, pulled in, let him let him know like, hey, this is this is what happened. And then like, so at that point, like, my mom was like, all right, we we have to get out of here. Right, this is this is getting too far. Uh, so then from then on, we we moved to California for a shitty shitty city, Indio, California. If anyone knows. Um, Shout out to y'all. Yeah, shout out to (laughs) y'all. Yeah, so we moved to India, right? And then uh, we moved here, right? We moved here. I was in third grade, right? So at that time, I was like eight. Mm -hmm. Um, I became the quote-unquote man of the house, right? Because my mom was working all day, so I had to make sure that my sister was fed. She didn't burn the house down. She didn't answer the door for the Mormons when they came knocking, right? So, uh... At eight years old, I don't I don't really see how you can be the man of the house. Right? You're, I'm all, I'm a child at the same time, um, but like from that point on, right? Like my my mom raised me and my sister on survival at that point, right? There was there was no time to sit down and it's like what is how are you feeling? What's going on? Because like she was just focused on paying the bills and like making sure we had food on the table. Um, but as soon as my sister was old enough to take care of herself, 
that's when I became a uh, latchkey kid, if you will. I was never home. Um, I didn't want to be home. Uh, so then, like, I just started getting into all types of trouble, right? Because as a, I'm, I'm raised by my mom, my grandma, my aunt, right? And in my home, it's me, mom, me, me, my mom, and my sister, right? So I'm raised around all women. So as a young boy, I just wanted to find acceptance through other, uh, through other dudes, like other boys, uh, other male role models, right? Because mm-hmm. that's all I was searching for was uh, some sort of guidance. Chose the three other most fucked up kids in the neighborhood, you know? And, like uh, that. <laughs> and uh, coincidentally, right, like all our dads were addicts and alcoholics and we all gravitated towards each other in some fucking weird way. That is fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, I can definitely relate to you too. Like as far as like my dad, shout out to you. I don't know where you're at, but he, he, he's still for, I, I, he left me somewhere and he still has yet to find me. Um, but he was an alcoholic too. Um, and it, it became violent. There were some memories with like him and my mom fighting. And the last time I remember seeing like my dad as my dad was when I was like five in Las Vegas. Like he had left me in an apartment and he said that he would be coming back and my ass definitely waited and he never came back. So what, how old were, so you, you, you and your mom and your sisters left your dad, right? How mm-hmm. old were you at that time? Uh, seven. Seven? Yeah. Okay. And then you're now in India, California? Uh, Indio, California. Indio, yeah. California, with these three other bad kids that also have daddy issues, right? Oh, yeah. And, and how's that for you guys? Like, what do you guys t- start doing as you guys uh, start hanging out? Right. So, uh, yeah, dude. So, as, as a young uh angry kids right because when i was when i was young dude like i i was very angry as a kid right and i my fam i'm mexican so my family's catholic so they they strongly believe in god right my my grandma carries a little statue in her purse everywhere she goes <laughs> right fucking yes super fucking sana sana right mm-hmm. fix their thing <laughs> Uh, so like, yeah, so I was just very angry as a kid and like, same with me and my friends, right? Like the first time I got brought home by the cops, it was in the fifth grade, right? Cause me, my friends, uh, one of them shot this kid with a pellet gun because he didn't want to leave. So we shot him and then called the cops and then I get brought home by the cops in the fifth grade, right? Um, following seventh grade, like this is when like I, I adopted it. Like I finally like understood the idea of like. Nobody can tell me shit, right? Like, my mom can't tell me shit. Like, teachers at school can't tell me shit. Um, and, like, I just really started, like, wilding out at that point. Like, stealing the music teacher's iPod Touch because it just came out and I really wanted one. So, like, it looked tight, right? Uh, dude, he was a badass kid. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, like, it was bad. Like, but, like, at the same time, like, I... I, I feel like I know it now, but like at the time, like, right, like I, I just had so much anger and like these different feelings that like I didn't know how to properly deal with or like never was taught how to properly deal with them. Right. So the only way I knew how to how to handle them was like taking them out on other people, mm-hmm. making other people feel worse and like how I felt inside. Uh, so with that, that's the first time I smoked weed was in the seventh grade. And um, that's when like, I don't want to say like, Ah, that's the magic moment but like from then on like i was just, i was just smoking weed right um but like we we would steal bikes from school break into abandoned houses like 
whatever like mischievous thing like kids can get into like we got into right burning bushes finding a slide on fire um that type of shit yeah can relate i was smoking <laughs> weed at seventh grade too <laughs> <laughs> so when when was it that so your doc ultimately was what your uh, kryptonite any type of opiate any type of opiate right uh 13 is when i first tried opiates um so i would when i was younger skating and riding bmx bikes was my fucking main thing right that was my i would say like so i've always had like addictive tendencies if you will right mm-hmm. like my my room my in my uh in my mom's house the entire wall was just full of like fucking skate magazine photos like the entire fucking wall um and like that's like all that consume my mind right um so in the eighth grade we had this friend, he had cancer, he had one leg, he was all, he's on his way out, right? He was, mm-hmm. the doctors just gave him these, these pills just to keep him comfortable until, until he finally passed away, right? So he couldn't ride bikes or skate with us. So the only way we knew, uh, excuse me, uh, how to relate to him was by just taking whatever pills he had, right? So that's my introduction to opiates. And from then on, like, that's when like when i started getting high right like all the 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 chatter and the noise in my head because growing up i had this impending doom feeling like i remember being like a little kid and like laying in bed at night and like the 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 mass anxiety would run through my head right i'm like my grandparents are gonna die my mom's gonna Mm -hmm. die i'm gonna have kids and they're gonna die i'm gonna die everyone's gonna die right and like just super fucking frightened of life like my my grandma would call me uh, Chicken Little because uh, <laughs> I thought the sky was falling, dude. Dude, that's so crazy that you say that. Cause I literally, I mean, maybe we're all like this in the sense, but I would be like five years old, like thinking about the stupidest shit. Like I'm gonna die, right? And like my family's gonna die. And then I'd be like, but wait, who created God? And then who created that God? And then who came before that motherfucker? Like, I just wanted to go straight to the bottom line. And, like, it's so crazy how you how how I can relate to that impending doom, right? Like, it's almost like this big cloud over your head, just, like, creating unnecessary noise. So the first time that you took an opiate, it was your friend uh, that was um, ill, right? Yeah. It was his pills. Do you remember that very first time and how you felt? Yeah, so... Uh first time i did opiates right like i felt this like just where every the all the noise and the chatter like in my head just went away right um on top of like always feeling like as as i feel like most of us do right like i felt like i never fit in right like i'm different than everybody um and all that went away right all the nervousness all the the wanting to crawl out of my fucking skin um all that went away and from then on, like, I, I became the, the kid that would, when parties would happen in high school, straight to whoever's house it was, his medicine cabinet, and, like, try to get my hands on whatever pills I could get my hands on, and, like, just wanted to just chase that feeling, I guess, right, of, like, numbing everything out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly, like, how I felt the first time I took an opiate, like, the noise just went all the way down and all those thoughts that were just like burning in my head just disappeared right um and you mentioned that you just wanted to chase that first time Mm -hmm. 
how far did that chase take you? Uh, that, that, that chase led me to very, like, yeah, very dark places, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, because I was getting high basically since, like, the age 12, right? But, like, on opiates since the age of 13, um, obviously the, it's a progressive illness, right? So, in the beginning it's 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 to have fun right i would take pills because i like the feeling of getting fucked up right and then as time goes on right um i i noticed like in my even like in high school right everything started to slip away right uh i, I went through a, a lean phase mm -hmm. where i went to school and i was just, i was just not showing up for high school and my counselor called me into her into her office and was like there's there's a there's a lot of rumors going around that you're sipping a lot of lean, and I <laughs> I looked at her. I'm like, what's lean? And she's like, it's cough syrup. And I'm like, why would I drink cough syrup? What is wrong with you, right? But like even like in high school, like my my life started slipping, right? Like to the point where teachers were asking me, they're like, if you're gonna drop out, just drop out already. Don't even show up here. So I made the conscious decision to drop out of high school, mm. and. From that from that moment on, right, like I had no I had no no skills, no no way of conducting myself like a normal human being. Uh, as time goes on, I fucking start becoming dope sick, right? And I'm like, that shit's the fucking worst. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, drug addiction like led me to being fucking homeless, right? Being so so controlled by this drug um, that I remember I would donate plasma. To, to get money dude same <laughs> uh, yeah I was donating plasma one day right and my mom followed me to the fucking plasma uh, plasma clinic and like wait um, you didn't know she was following you no bro no oh hell no yeah. <laughs> talk about that so shit like, so I could just imagine, right? Like I'm already dope sick. It's like eight in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in this, and this, they do your little vitals and whatnot. Uh, so I'm sitting there. They call my name, Ivan. Uh, we're ready for you. So I go up, and as I'm walking to like the back door, my mom opens the door to the the, the front door of the plasma clinic, and I'm like, oh, fuck. yeah, yeah, dude. So so she she was like, if you're if you walk back there, give me your house key. You can't come back in my house. So I fucking gave her my house key. I'm like, here you go, uh, and I gave up my house right for two hours of getting high, if yeah. that, you know. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've given up a lot of shit, right? I gave, I gave everything away to, to my addiction, right? I fucking didn't get taken away. I fucking, here you go, take it. I don't want it no more. I'm, I'm cool with getting high because as long as I had drugs in my pocket, like nothing else mattered, mm -hmm. right? I'll be fucking homeless. I'll fucking sleep on the side of a Walmart on Chaparral, if you guys know where that's at. Um, uh, I'll live with a bunch of homeless people. Um, whatever, whatever it was, right? Um, because like as long as I was getting high, like nothing else mattered. Everything, the world was fine as long as I had drugs in my pocket. It didn't matter who I burned. The my mom and she slept on the couch for like a fucking year trying to see if she could hear my car starting uh, to stop me. Like it didn't matter. It was kind of fucked up. That is fucking crazy. So while all this is going on, cause you you started basically kind of like acting up at 13 right when you uh started 
uh, using substances. Yeah. And then it escalated to opiates. And then your mom catches you, follows you to the plasma center. <laughs> when was there a point that you noticed that your mom started noticing that, like, your 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 mental space was just being fueled into a worse direction? Like, would you say she was able to see the addiction progress? Yeah. So. I feel like I feel like she's always known, right? Cause like from a young age, I would come home high. I fucking I would jump out the window. She's like, I can't ground you because you fucking you leave anyway. So like, I feel like she's always like seeing my my decline, right? But like once I once I started getting heavy into like the pills and shit, like that's when she didn't know what to do anymore. I remember uh, I would fucking I would I would nod off and like leave like my so I would leave my backpack. I would come home at like three in the morning, leave my backpack at the door, jump in my window, and then go to the front door, open it so she didn't hear the front, like my key in the door, right? And I would nod off and fucking, she would wake, go outside and fight in this backpack with like dab rigs and fucking weed in the backpack. And uh, she just, I remember like when she went into my room and like went under my dresser and found like handfuls of burnt foils. And uh, she didn't know what the fuck was going on. She uh, she called me. I was I was out picking up, and she was like, "You need to come home right now." And I get home, and then uh, she was she she shows me these handfuls of foils, and she's like, "Are you smoking heroin?" And in my mind, I thought the the best answer was like, "No, I'm not smoking heroin. I'm just smoking Percocet. Like it's not that bad." <laughs> smoking pills, mom. Yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, but yeah, so fucking, she just thought like she wanted to get me exorcisted one time because she thought I was possessed by the devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn, your mom ain't playing. No, dude, no. Damn, that's some crazy shit. I can relate to you a lot, dude. I feel like we both put our moms through some shit, right? Yeah. So, what was one of the darkest moments you can remember? I know you mentioned while you were at the bus stop and like living with all these homeless people. Um, but was there a moment you had like, damn, this is getting out of control? Do you ever have a moment like that, like through your addiction? Uh, yeah. So like. A moment for me, like, when, like, I started realizing how fucked up shit was, right? It was, like, um, just, like, when I started, like, stealing from, like, my home and stealing from my mom and, like, just trying to steal a bunch of random shit, right? Like, so my mom fucking, on Black Friday, she goes, gets a bunch of candles, Mm -hmm. uh, because, like, expensive or something. I don't know how candles work, but, uh. I was on I was on my offer up grind, dude, plugging everything on offer up, and uh, I would sell her candles on mm. offer up, dude, fucking two for fifteen, and then like uh, like army crawling through her room at three in the morning to fucking swipe her fucking debit card. Damn, same. Um, yeah, and like I just remember like the feeling of like knowing that like there's nothing I can do um, to stop, right? That feeling of like there's nothing. There's nothing they can stop me, right? Because um, I have to do this shit, right? I'm like, my room, there's like a blanket covering the window, and like, I don't leave the house. And like, I didn't know, I didn't know what else to do, right? Because if I'm, I'm sitting in my room trying to fucking, I'm, if I'm kicking, like, I just want to rip my hair out and like, punch every like, hole in the wall I can, right? But I can't stop myself from, mm-hmm. from getting high. There's, there's nothing that was going to stop, not... Not fucking 
the relationships I've fucked over, all my friends I've fucked over, my family that I'm fucking over. Um, there, there was no, literally nothing, and like I, that feeling of like I can't stop myself is like what will fuck with me the most. That's true. Is that still recording? Okay. So you mentioned you were being like the man of the house, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a sister. Yeah. How old is your How old is your sister? She's a year and a half younger than me, so I want to say she's 22. Okay, so you were doing all this shit, and where was she at? Dude, she was in the house, bro. So me and my sister haven't had a conversation since I was 13, but we lived in the same house. Um, yeah, dude, like, yeah, we still haven't spoken. Um, but, like, the way my mom described that to me, right, is, like, it's always been me, my mom, my sister, right? So my sister looked at me... In, in a higher light, right? Because I'm her big brother. Um, I'm fucking the only, like, male role model in her mm. life. So then, like, once I started getting high and fucking up, she didn't know how to react to that, so she shut down and, like, kind of, like, excommunicated me from her life, but we lived in the same house. That's crazy, bro. Like, the way that we, like, affect... I really do feel like this is a family disease. Like, I don't know, while I was doing all that, because I also went to the plasma center i like would crawl like and my heart would be beating like going into my mom's and it's crazy to think about that i would do and it's only been like i've, I've been sober for like two years right but in reality it hasn't been that long ago that i was sneaking into my mom's room into her fucking purse mm-hmm. and grabbing all of her hard-earned cash and putting it in my pocket to go buy pills like to think about that is insane to me so do you so my my question is because there's a lot of people i get a few messages like of moms with their sons going through this shit right Mm -hmm. and they just don't understand what kind of advice do you have for those parents that are watching their child steal from them steal from their family and and hurt them um any advice I would have to like moms and shit mm. would be, um, you know, that at, at that point, like that, that's not your kid, right? That's not your kid at the, at the base of it. Um, because when, when you're in that mind state, you're, you're not yourself, right? You're on autopilot. You would never do those things to, to anyone, right? Not just your family, but like to anybody, if you're sober, right? Uh, something that was like described to me is like the basic the basic like needs for a human being to survive it's like a pyramid it's like food and shelter or like food and water shelter community something like that but when you when you when you do drugs it rewires your brain to where the the base of that 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 human triangle is the drugs right so if you don't if you don't get the drugs it your body your your mind thinks like you're on your way to die right you go into this weird survival mode where like nothing else matters right so like my advice to to families would be like in a sense like just be patient with them but like at the same time like that's not your that's not your kid in that moment right they're 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 in their body but their mind's fucking gone hell yeah dude i like that you say that too you kind of go into detail on almost like basically what the person going through addiction goes through um because i think unless you've gone through addiction yourself it's really hard to describe how 
how your mind and your body are fueled by the drugs. Like I've had instances where my mom literally sits my ass down and asks me, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep stealing from my purse? Do you not love me? And I would literally be crying telling her, I do love you, mom, and I want to stop, but I, I can't. You know what I mean? Like, and that's so hard to like kind of explain to someone because all they're seeing is those actions. Um, and a lot of people also are scared to just like get clean. And I can relate to this too. A big part of it was just the withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And, uh, right. Because like there's, there's a saying, right? Like the people that have been through it, they get it. But the people who haven't, they'll never understand. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my mom telling me like, what did I do wrong? Like my mom thought it was completely her fault. Right. If I would have done this different, if I would have done that different, if I would have, maybe if I would have stayed with your dad, like this would have been different, right? But like at the base of it, like it's not anything that they can do, right? It's not any of their faults. Um, it's none of the family's faults, right? There's nothing that you can fucking do about it. Mm. It's it's just something that, you know, it's the luck of the draw that we got as being drug addicts and alcoholics. Like we we kind of just got dealt a shitty hand at life. Um, but at the at the same time, like I like now, right? Like as you said, like the worst part of it was like the withdrawal, right? Because I had no knowledge of rehab or detox or anything like that. I my whole idea of rehab and detox was like this TV fucking. Mm-hmm. You go into this hospital and it's like a bunch of dudes in a dark room sitting in a circle, talking about how shitty life is. Um, but like once I did go to rehab I'm like it's kind of tight you know all these people are fucking laughing and uh, you're in a room full of people who get it Mm -hmm. right because for me like I thought that no one else got it I didn't I didn't I felt super fucking alone that like no one else around me like gets it right Um, I can't I can't tell my friends like oh yeah I'm selling everything in my house and like I can't stop getting high because like they're looking at me like I'm a piece of shit um, but yeah. How many times do you go to rehab? Uh, I've been to rehab four times, detox six. <laughs> okay. So, but the last time you went to rehab was what, what year was that? Uh, 2020. 2020. Yeah. I, I think the first time I went to rehab, I thought it was absolutely amazing. Cause like you, I did not know there was as much help as there is. And I think that's really important to share because there's definitely so much fucking help so what what can people anticipate at rehab like for someone that's going for the first time what what how would you describe what they can expect at rehab because you said you know you thought it was gonna be this dark room with all these dudes but what was it like for you uh so for me uh i had a lot of like unanswered questions right for me like so it was my first day it's my first day in rehab and residential treatment and like all these people are like we're gonna make we're gonna make lunch and eat together and like for group we're gonna pass around a a photo of uh, we're gonna take a photo of you and pass around this photo on the table and everyone's gonna write nice things about it about you on it so i'm like where the fuck am i dude this isn't fucking rehab (laughs) and then like so my first day right we had this thing called music therapy where everyone sits in the living room and they pass a remote around everyone picks a song 
uh, and like I think they said like the topic was like pick a song that relates to you and your recovery or in your addiction and everyone is playing Christian gospel music mm -hmm. and then I'm the last person I just got there everyone's playing Christian music and then I play I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was too short like fucking, yeah. Yes. Get that too short. <laughs> like and like these these people are like looking at me like in shock, right? They're like, "What the fuck is this?" And then like I had like a right. So like I've, I've always struggled with the God idea, and like I asked the BHC, I'm like, "Do I have to be religious to get sober?" Because like I'm not, dude. And then he was like, "No, nah, dude. It's like whatever you whatever you want to believe in." Mm -hmm. So I was like, "All right, tight." Um, but yeah, dude. Rehab was a uh, rehab and sober living was like probably the best times of my life mm -hmm. especially like in early sobriety right because like it, it it brought me to like a place where like i'm surrounded by other people going through the same shit mm -hmm. hell yeah i think i never gone to sober living the first few times i went to rehab they insisted and i always declined but now because my partner works a lot heavily in recovery homes and i see so many great things about being in a recovery home because you're almost forced to like fast forward the adult process you know mm -hmm. and you're like held accountable in a different way how was your sober living experience was something like that too uh so the first couple times in sober living i never took it serious right because like I, I got high within like a week of being there um i remember my first sober living my i was in a room with uh, i shared a room with three other dudes and like my first two days of being there, one of the dudes that was in the room, he showed me his AA book with all his friends that had died. And he's writing his best, he's writing his friends' names who had died. And he's like, these are all the people I've lost this year. So that fucking freaked me out, right? Because mm -hmm. I know nothing about no sober living or like getting sober and shit. And like this dude's like writing everyone he knows they're dying on this book. So I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? So I uh, continue to get high. Um, but... The the last time I went to sober living, right? Um, that was big for me because me, I'm very uh, antisocial. I, I I get very anxious around new people because like I don't know what what not to say, what to say, right? Um, so like I just don't want to meet new people. Um, but like at the sober living I was at, like I was I was kind of forced to um, talk with the community because the the house manager he would come in my room and is like. Are you socializing with the community? And I'm like, no. He's like, I will right, get out there, right? So it forced, it pushed me into 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 doing that stuff, right? Um, but like sober sober living for me taught me how to be an adult, you know. Taught me how to keep a job, how to pay rent, how to uh, become more accountable. Not even in just like my own sense, but like holding other people accountable for their actions, right? Because um for me i was raised with this you know you don't tell on people like mm. mentality um but like at the at the end of the day like especially like in the sober living environment like you could be possibly saving that person's life right if they're fucking up or like getting high like it's not about telling on somebody it's like about saving somebody's life at that point mm -hmm. so sober living has definitely been a great asset in your recovery this time right oh yeah oh yeah what else because i know i asked you in the beginning a little bit because you you this is the longest you've been sober and it's hard to stay sober not every day but it's definitely um a whole new way of living 
considering we went from numbing our feelings and canceling the noise out to feeling absolutely everything. So what other things do you find help you maintain your sobriety? Uh, so for me, right, like I had no no knowledge of like what it meant to to be sober, right, to to stay sober. Because um, like I'm just so used to doing what Ivan wants whenever he wants and like not listening to anybody, right? So for me, it was taking suggestions from people um, and like doing H&Is. Like H&Is for me is like one of the things that like kept me sober in the beginning, right? Um, being of service. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like when I did get sober this time, um, it was going through my steps, right? Going through my steps and doing H and I's and like trying to be of service in any which way I could. Um, and like for me still, like that's my, that's my, my biggest crutch that I lean on is like whenever someone asks me to speak or do an H and I, I'll never say no. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like, once upon a time, there was people that came and did H and I's at the rehab that I went to. Uh, they probably didn't want to do it that night, but like it's because it was asked of them, so they were being of service and doing it. So for me, that's one of the biggest things that that I'm able to do is like just share the fucking experience and strengthen hope with people. Hell yeah! I think being of service and giving back is definitely a big thing for me. That helps me feel at least better in the moment. Um, I remember like maybe a few months ago, I saw you share out a meeting. Um, I think you had just gotten out of <laughs> jail. Yeah. Is that right? Was Why was your ass in jail? Uh, so April 3rd, 2020, I uh, was, uh, selling meth, fentanyl and Xanax, uh, at the time because I got kicked out of sober living and like I was living in the Chipotle parking lot that I was working at. I got paid and I was like, I can either put a down payment on a sober living or I can buy my own apartment, right? Mm-hmm. As I'm fucking spun out on meth, I'm like, getting an apartment sounds like the right way to go. So uh, that's what I thought, right? So, uh, so I'm selling drugs. Uh, I, I get arrested. I get out. I go to rehab and I stay sober, right? Um, go to rehab, sober living, start working in treatment. And then January of 2021, that's when I got all the court papers in the mail. That's like, hey, uh, we're filing charges against you for narcotic uh, sales, dangerous drug sales. I'm like, ah, fuck, dude. Uh, So, yeah, uh, I had to go to jail for a couple months for selling drugs. Um, And you're sober. Oh, yeah, 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 through the entire time, right? So that that was like even like a a crazy thing for me, Mm -hmm. right? Because like... You would ask me two years ago, like, would you go to jail sober? I would have told you, fuck off. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to jail sober. But, like, through the through the process, right, like, being able to live life on life's terms. Because whatever, whatever happens, like, just don't get high through it, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's something that, like, uh, I've told myself and, like, my mom has told me is, like, no negotiating. Don't negotiate with yourself, right? Um, so, as... As uh, the court proceedings are going on, right, I'm trying to get all my paperwork in order, like, with my, my rehab uh, letter of completion, six months worth of UA history, six months worth of meeting sheets, and, like, I'm trying to have my lawyer push it back as far as they can go uh, in terms of, like, when I have to turn myself in because in my mind, I'm like, all right, well, seven months, if I, if I turn myself in now with seven months, it won't look as good as, like, 
Because when I turned myself in, I had 15 months sober. So I'm like, that maybe like look, mm-hmm. will look a little better. Um, so I had to go to jail sober, right? And like while I was in there, I was able to chair a meeting five nights a week, right? Get dudes in there, rehab and sober living resources and like do more reforming in there than like the fucking jail was doing, right? Because like I was listening to a speaker the other day on like on YouTube and like the, the speaker was saying that like jails try to incarcerate the, the mental illness out of you, right? Um, and like, that's what, you know, there's no reforming in jail. They just think if they lock you up, they'll, they'll incarcerate the drug addict out of you. And like, that just doesn't work. Um, so it was like a cool experience, right? Like going through that and like being able to help out other, other dudes from the inside. Mm -hmm. And like, I still, my bunkie, I still see him at meetings, dude. Yeah. I'll see him at, uh, I'll see him at a meeting, dude. And, uh, it's cool that like, I get to see (laughs) my fucking jail bunkie at a meeting that's badass dude i mean that's why i'm so passionate about just staying sober even if it's just one day at a time right because you obviously stayed sober through a very i would imagine that would be a very scary process i'd be fucking scared as fuck if i'm like what the fuck i'm sober right now now y'all trying to make me go to fucking jail (laughs) i would be losing my shit but you owned up to that shit right like that was some wreckage from your past and you went in there, and you changed people's lives. Yeah. Like, I think, I think that's so awesome, and it and it just goes to show, like, because a lot of people like don't think. I feel like I I read some comments here and there where people like don't think they have value in sobriety, but every single person has value. Like, I think just everybody staying sober one day at a time inevitably can change someone else's. Like, I'm sure your ass was not anticipating to go to jail at that very moment. And you went in there and brought some hope to those dudes. And then I see him share out a meeting and I see your mom there. And I thought that was so dope, especially now knowing that, you know, you kind of played through some shit. Oh, yeah. So how does she feel with you now? Um, my mom is very supportive of, uh, of me now, right? Um, it took a, it took a, it took a cool minute, right? It took even like, I remember, so I, I haven't, I didn't, I just got a car after like not having a car for like almost two years. Um, but like I, I was on Vivitrol for six months and like, so my mom would have to come pick me up, take me to my Vivitrol appointment. And like, I remember one time I was in sober living and, uh, she got there and I was in the bathroom and she started freaking out because I was in the bathroom and then like I walk out and I'm like, I'm taking a shit lady. <laughs> like I'm, I'm cool. I'm Damn, cool, we right? really traumatized our yeah. moms, dude. And um but like at the end of the day, right, like I as drug addicts, uh we, we talk a lot of shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um and for her it was uh it was the actions that I that I put forward, right? Like I, I've I've gone time and time again, right? Like I'm never gonna get high, I'm never gonna do this, I'm not gonna do that again, da 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 and like she's heard it all, right? So to the point where like she doesn't she doesn't believe she didn't believe anything I said, right? Um and like but like now she doesn't have to worry about me, right? She doesn't have to sleep on the couch anymore. She doesn't have to worry so like she used to she used to track my phone when I was on her phone plan, um, and like I would I would I, on top of like being on meth, 
like I'm super paranoid, right? So like I would like, why are you why are you tracking my phone? Da 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 da. And then like one day she told me she was like, I'm not tracking your phone to see where you are. She's like, I'm tracking your phone to, in case you overdose and die, I know where to pick up your body, right? And like that was hard to hear, right, from mm-hmm. like my mom, because like at that point she was, she was finally just done with like trying to save me, because like at that point she just signed on to the idea that like she was gonna have to bury me one day. Um, but like now she she sees the the progress i'm doing and like the the like the abilities like the opportunities that presented themselves to me now right and like she's just super proud um i call her like every other day we chop it up have a grand old time she still won't let me in her house but like that's okay if i go to (laughs) yeah (laughs) that is relatable yeah dude like if i if i go to visit her She'll meet me out front of the rocks. We'll chop it up out front. And that's what I <laughs> <laughs> This motherfucker ain't going to my house. <laughs> that shit's so crazy. But that's dope though. Like, you're you're gradually, like, gaining her trust back. I feel like you, from what I've seen, like, I don't know. I just thought it was a very special moment for her to be there. Like, I, I just saw your mom. Like, I could just tell, like, she just seemed very proud. So that's cool that you're able to, you know, Based that relationship with her. What other sobriety blessings have you experienced in this time of sobriety? Um, I would say, so, before, right, I had no opportunities, right, in, in any way, shape, or form. I had no opportunities. Um, no opportunities would present themselves. So, like, that was the struggle before, right? Mm-hmm. But now the struggle is, like, I have too many opportunities, mm-hmm. right? It's, like, which way do I go? Um, a cool opportunity to, like, so... Go. Um, Sorry, our, our co-host. Our co-host. Is Girl, like, sit down. <laughs> sit down. Um, so, like, the, the treatment center that I went to, right? I went there three times. Fourth time, they, uh, they told me I could never come back. Um, they're like, no, nah, you can't come back here ever again. And uh, I got a year sober and I started working there, right? Sick. So, like, that was a fucking cool opportunity to, to work at the treatment center to kick me out. Oh, um, yeah. But, like, now, like, besides the, the shiny shit, right? Like, I got an apartment. I got a car. Um, like, the, the blessings now that I have is, like, being able to give people fucking advice, mm-hmm. right? Like, being able to give my mom advice. Fucking, I have no idea why the fuck she asked me for advice, but like being able to help out other people when before I was no help to to anybody else, um, and like the 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 serenity of behind it, right? Like I can go to sleep at night without fucking wake being up till three in the morning, fucking thinking, overthinking everything, um, and just like the opportunities and like the people I've met, right? Because like I I get to I work in treatment. So, like, being able to see my, my past clients and, like, see them succeed in their sobriety and, like, the, the, the light bulb turn on, right, in their head. Mm-hmm. That shit, when I see that, like, um, that's, like, better than any, like, hit of dope you can ever get, right? The, the feeling to see that someone else is getting it, for me, is, is like, why I work in treatment, right? Um, so, like, those are, like, little blessings, right? I got all types. Of, I got a little dog. I got a lady. Like... It's pretty tight, dude. Shout out to the lady. (laughs) No, that's sick, dude. There's a lot of blessings that happen. They sometimes happen fast, sometimes slowly, right? Mm -hmm. And I like what you said. Like, 
we went from not like the struggle was like having or getting opportunities and now it's like too many and that's a good point too because i feel like i've been getting a lot of opportunities but girl sit your ass my apologies for the trouble here. It appears my dog insisted in making a debut. So uh, <laughs> it, we had a, it just if you notice a difference in, in, in stuff, here it goes. Sorry. Just because when I feel like I'm getting a lot of shit, like, like happening good for me, like I don't believe it because I have felt like a piece of shit for so long, but it's definitely possible, right? Yeah. To, to experience all these blessings in sobriety. What kind of advice do you have for someone struggling in the grips of addiction right now? Like, what kind of advice do you give to them? Um, advice that I would give to somebody that's still struggling, right, is like, uh, continue, continue holding on, right? Continue, continue like trying. Um, because like, obviously, if you're continuing to stay sober, right, you haven't laid down, right? For me, that's something I would, I would always tell myself is like, I'm not laying down to this shit because I would see it in other people, right? This, it's working for other people, so why can't it work for me? So it can work for anybody who, who really wants it. But at the base of it, it's like no one else is gonna want it hard. Uh, no one else is gonna want it more than you want it for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, no one else is going to hold your hand in it other than yourself. Like you really have to put in the, the effort, right? Cause like, it's like with anything you want in life, any job, any, any relationship, any, anything like that, right? If you, if you put in the work, you get the reward, mm -hmm. right? And um, if you put in half-assed work, you get half-assed results. But at the base of it, it's like, don't give up, right? Cause if we would have given up a long time ago, your shit would have been all bad, right? Hell yeah. 100%. This shit ain't easy, but it's so, so worth it. And like you said, like any relationship, any job, like that's what I've learned is like the stuff that's worth it is going to be challenging because if sobriety was so easy, then we wouldn't have a fucking problem. Everybody would be staying sober. Yeah. But you truly have to make up your mind because there's shit that's going to happen. Like you want to jail. You know what I mean? That's going to, that shit just happened in sobriety and you got to be ready for it. And I, I, I admire you a lot because you went in there. I don't know if you were scared, but to me, that's just literally fucking just going through it, right? And experiencing it stone cold sober. That's like the best way I feel to get through shit. Like, because you're not delaying anything anymore. You're mm -hmm. just going straight through it. Um, well, I don't know. How much time do we got? Damn, I'm taking all y'all time. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, okay, uh, let me let me just think real quick. Um, I don't know what 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 do you want to talk about really fast? Like, what has been cool for you, dude? Uh, what do I want to talk about? Uh, we talked about you know your addiction, and we talked about your sobriety isolate and what helps you maintain sobriety. But where do you see yourself? I like this. This is a manifestation moment. Okay, I'm kind of okay. weird. I feel, because listen, there is a lot of power to what you put in. Uh, let me rephrase. There's a lot of power behind the <laughs> word accompanied by action. And I, I, I clearly believe that. So what do you aspire to do to be in five years? Like basically, where do you see yourself? Uh, where do I see myself, right? So uh, I want to go back to school to become a therapist. 
Um, because for me, I remember being like in the fifth grade and like trying to therapy kids, like, oh, tell me how you, tell me how you feel today. What's going on with you? Um, and like I think that's just like because like I never had anyone to talk to about like what I was going through. So like for me, uh, that's always been like a like a topic of discussion of like what I want to do when I when I grow up, if you will. Uh, so in five years, I want to be obviously a therapist by then, but um, just continuing like. Like you can, I can say the, the house, I want to call like a different, you know, like stuff like that, right? But like at the base of it, like I just want to be able to continue helping people. Um, and that, that's like, yeah, going to school, um, going to school, continuing to just like build this life that, um, that I'm building, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude, you feel a lot of shit since saying so. You got a car, you got, you got a lovely lady, you got a fucking place. Like you got a sick ass job, yeah. and that all is thanks to sobriety, right? Like, cause obviously yeah. you were doing. <laughs> I mean, you went from uh, fucking living at a Chipotle parking lot, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to having your own place. You know what I mean? That's sick. Yeah, like uh, I was at a meeting the other night, and uh, this dude was uh, talking, and he said, uh, "If you flipped up, if you flipped everything I own upside down, there's a, a property of AA on everything, right?" And uh, like that's like the truth, right? Everything that in my life, like is a result of like AA and staying sober. So like without it, I, I wouldn't have shit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, dude. Let me ask you, what do you, what, what, uh, what do you like to do? Where, where, how do you feel like where your life is taking you now? I think it's pretty crazy. I, and that's why I like asking people because I think like it's so powerful when you, when you put this out into the universe. I'm a little crazy, but it obviously makes sense. I think it's weird that I literally was at a trap house fiending for a blue pill, like with no money, no gas, fucking nothing. And now I'm also at my own place and like have a great job, like an adult job <laughs> with responsibilities. You know what I mean? And it, it can be challenging to like go through life like this with so many responsibilities, but it's also so inspiring and we sh I feel like everybody in sobriety should give themselves a pat on the back because I really feel like going from those dark fucking moments of a hopelessness and getting out of it and then giving it giving that hope to people is just like that's just fucking magic I feel that's magic mm -hmm. and like there ain't nothing cooler than that like I feel now what I was finding through the drugs I'm finding it now in moments being sober and like Cause I always wanted to fit in and I always wanted to like feel good and slowly I experience it with doing shit like this or like helping other people or just like not having to stress out my mom like for real bro like oh my god you don't know how many debit cards I saved from my mom <laughs> like every time my mom would see a fucking transaction she she knew it was me and like, cause I would save them and everything. So I think that's one of the coolest things that like, she doesn't have to worry about me anymore. Cause it is a sad truth. Like you said, your mom said, you know, she, she just, she, she was tracking you. Cause she just wanted to make sure like if, if something happened to you, like you died or anything, like she wanted to be on alert for that. But that's a sad truth. Mm -hmm. You know, people are truly dying every day. And that's why I think it's so important to like, you have the opportunity to, like 
do what you're doing in in your job and also to shoot the shit here to let people know that it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter how you look like we're all the same and every anything is possible if you just make that fucking decision to like change your life one day at a motherfucking time yeah. like it's so possible you know what i mean but yeah thanks for asking thanks for flipping the script here. of course dude what's your favorite cereal my favorite cereal is, uh, <laughs> listen, we got a whole motherfucking stock of cereal there. Nathan's a big cereal guy. I, if I, if I like cereal, I think I'd go for uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. What about you? Uh, Cocoa Pebbles. Cocoa Pebbles. What's your favorite food? Uh, Chinese food. Chinese food? I fucking love Chinese food. What, what's your favorite Chinese food place? Uh, dude, uh, fuck. I don't, I don't, I don't think I have, uh, have a favorite Chinese food place. Um, but I recently uh, got turned on to the the crab rangoon one, dude. Fire. Regardless, yeah, yeah. Crab uh, rangoons. Yeah. I made we made some the other night, dude. Oh, you a chef? Uh, That's right. This motherfucker a chef. Okay. Last time he came over, <laughs> he made what was it? It was a parmesan chicken with I don't know, but it was. So good. I was I was flabbergasted. Dude, yeah. So like, uh, that's how my mom would try to keep me sober. Right? Was uh, through cooking. Like I'd be, I would get out of rehab, um, trying to be sober, and then like that's like the only way. Like she she would she. My mom does a lot of metaphors and shit. So mm. like when she doesn't go like I'm like telling her like shit doesn't go wrong. And she's like, well, remember when you would be cooking and you'd get frustrated if it didn't turn out the way you wanted to turn out? I'm like, yeah. Um, but like so she would try to teach me how to cook right through 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 getting sober and also like if she if she keels over tomorrow and dies at least i know how to make myself food <laughs> um, but like that's like a like cooking for me is a i don't know dude it's like a it's like an art project you get to eat right you get to mix and man do whatever the fuck you want with it so it's pretty tight dude i, I enjoy cooking a lot and you keep your lady happy oh yeah what's your favorite dish marissa what's his best dish What's your what's your favorite dish that you've cooked her? Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know, dude. I see the snaps. I'm like, all right. I need to get. All I know how to use the air fryer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, I don't know, man. I like. Uh, I don't know. We do a lot of cool things. I enjoy the 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 salmon, dude. The salmon with asparagus and mashed potatoes, or. She be making the, the the tofu stir fry, bro. Okay, tofu stir fry. Ooh, By the way, we got we got Miss Marissa in the back. She's gonna be on an upcoming episode, and I can't wait because I feel like I I relate to her a lot too. It's so crazy how I relate to all you guys. We're all like drug addicts and alcoholics <laughs> here. Um, but thank you so much for coming, man. Well, I like course. honestly really appreciate you guys doing this. Like it really does. I know I'm cheesy. It really does mean a lot to me that you guys are willing to like come sit down and shoot the shit. Dude, of course. I'm an egotistical maniac, so like, just like, use my ego. Because I, I just want to be heard. Okay, well, you're going to be heard. <laughs> you're going to be heard. You're going to be seen. and But you're going to help people. Of course. And like, ultimately, that's what we all want to do. Just make sure to send that message of hope. Because we're all different. We're all trying to get to that same goal. So one day at a time, baby. And I guess that's a wrap. So I'm sorry I'm bringing ears here. We sober now, baby. We don't do no more drugs and no more alcohol. I know that's right. Oh, that's right. We don't do no more drugs and no more alcohol.